In 2016, U.S. Embassy staff members in Havana, Cuba, started complaining about hearing loud piercing sounds, along with many other unexplained health symptoms. Soon after, Canadian Embassy staff members in the same city reported the same symptoms. Since then, hundreds of cases have been reported by American and Canadian government officials in posts all over the world. We'll tell you much more about this mystery illness in this week's Mysteries of Latin America podcast. Welcome to the Mysteries of Latin America podcast with the myths and legends of Latin America with your host, Andrew Colon. Sounding more like something right out of an episode of The Blacklist or a James Bond movie, American government officials and military personnel, reportedly employed by the CIA in Havana, Cuba, started to feel a ringing in their ears, hearing loss, fatigue, migraine headaches, memory loss, nausea, and dizziness. This group of symptoms has since been named Havana Syndrome, and reports of the illness with U.S. and Canadian government officials who have developed the symptoms have surfaced in places like Russia, Poland, Taiwan, China, Vietnam, India, Austria, Germany, Serbia, England, Australia, Taiwan, Colombia, and even Washington, D.C. The first case of what we now call Havana Syndrome was reported in December 2016 by a CIA officer stationed in Havana, Cuba, allegedly under diplomatic cover. He told doctors that he was having painful migraines and dizziness, with strange sensation of sound and pressure in his ears and head while at home. The same officer experienced a second incident two weeks later, and by February 2017, nearly every officer in the small Havana station had been affected. In August 2017, reports started surfacing that Canadian diplomatic personnel in Cuba had also experienced similar unusual, unexplained health problems. These staff members experienced strange grating noises in their ears that seemed to come from a specific direction. Some people experienced pressure, vibration, or a sensation in their ears that sounded like they were driving in a car with the windows rolled down. These noises lasted anywhere from 20 seconds to 30 minutes and happened while the diplomats were either at home or in hotel rooms. First of all, let's run through a full list of what people who have experienced Havana syndrome have dealt with or are dealing with right now. A sudden onset of screeching, chirping, clicking, or piercing noises, blurred vision and sensitivity to light, sensation of intense pressure or vibration in the head, a pain in the ear or more diffusely in the head, tinnitus and hearing loss, dizziness or vertigo, insomnia, nausea, light sensitivity and eye strain, sound sensitivity, impaired concentration and memory, irritability, nervousness, depression, intense fatigue, and intense headaches. So what, or who, is responsible for these mystery health issues? A lack of cooperation between agencies like the CIA, FBI, CDC, State Department, along with conflicting scientific studies, has made reaching a consensus on the causes of Havana Syndrome nearly impossible. And then the COVID pandemic put at least a temporary stop in investigation and research but let's run through a list of some possible causes suggested by different agencies and studies. 
In 2018, a study of 21 affected diplomats in Havana, published in the Journal of American Medicine, said that microwaves were considered a main suspect of the phenomenon. Now, I'm not talking about the ovens either. Another study in the same year concluded that the facts were consistent with pulsed radio frequency or microwave radiation exposure, and that the nature of the noises the diplomats reported was consistent with sounds caused by this exposure, that the signs and symptoms reported matched symptoms from radio frequency or microwave radiation exposure, and that in the past, the U.S. Embassy in Moscow was subject to a microwave beam called the Moscow Signal, a spy weapon from the Soviet era. And here's another one. In March 2018, a team of computer scientists at the University of Michigan reported in a study that ultrasonic signals from malfunctioning or improperly placed Cuban surveillance equipment could have been the origin of the reported sounds and symptoms. And then there was a 2019 study commissioned by the Canadian government of 23 exposed Canadian diplomats that found clinical imaging and biochemical evidence consistent with the hypothesis of overexposure to neurotoxic pesticides as a cause of the brain injuries brought on by Havana syndrome. Evidently, the embassies and other places in Cuba had been sprayed frequently as an anti-Zika virus mosquito control measure. The same study concluded that other possible causes could not be ruled out. And if you thought that pesticides was an unusual potential cause, in 2017, the Associated Press got a hold of audio recordings made by U.S. personnel in Havana, and biologists from the University of California at Berkeley and the University of Lincoln analyzed the recording and concluded that the sound was caused by the Indies' short-tailed cricket, and not some kind of device. Now, while it could explain the sound, it couldn't explain the symptoms, and they wrote that the causes of the health problems reported by embassy personnel are beyond the scope of this paper, and called for more rigorous research into the source of these ailments, including the potential psychogenic effects, as well as possible physiological explanations unrelated to sonic attack. In 2018, a group of physicists and scientists who advised the U.S. government, otherwise known as Jason, analyzed audio recordings from Havana Syndrome incidents and two cell phone videos and concluded that the sounds were most likely caused by insects and that it was highly unlikely that microwaves or ultrasound beams were involved because no plausible single source of energy can produce both the recorded audiovisual signals and the reported medical effects. And the group determined with high confidence that the two videos were sounds from the Indies' short tail cricket. The Jason report also concluded that it can't be ruled out that while the perceived sounds, while not harmful, are introduced by an adversary as deception, so as to mask an entirely unrelated mode of causing illness. After the initial reports of the incidents in Havana, the FBI's Behavioral Analysis Unit, you know, the people from Criminal Minds, visited the city and concluded that the victims were experiencing a mass psychogenic illness. First of all, and I had to look it up, the term psychogenic refers to disorders having a psychological rather than an organic origin. The BAU's profilers didn't actually speak to any of the affected people directly, but studied transcripts of FBI interviews. The unit reviewed the patient histories compiled by the patient's neuropsychologists and other physicians who had already ruled out mass psychogenic illness, 
noting that many of the victims didn't know about the other people who were sick and their bodies couldn't have feigned symptoms that they were exhibiting. In November 2018, a previously classified State Department report by the Jason Advisory Group that mentioned crickets just a minute ago, concluded that while the cause of the condition was unknown, psychogenic effects may serve to explain important components of the reported injuries. And then, of course, there are the Russians. Many current and former U.S. officials think Russia was responsible for the alleged attacks, a suspicion shared by both Trump and Biden administration officials. This view was shared by CIA analysts on Russia, State Department officials, outside science experts, and several of the alleged victims. Russia has a history of researching, developing, and using weapons that cause brain injuries, such as the Cold War-era Moscow signal targeting the American embassy in Moscow we talked about earlier. Within the U.S. government, analysts debated whether the alleged attacks reflected a deliberate attempt to cause injury or whether the reported symptoms were a consequence of a high-tech attempt to steal classified information from phones and computers of U.S. officials. Diplomatic ties between the U.S. and Cuba were resumed, with the embassy of the U.S. reopening in Havana and the Cuban embassy reopening in Washington, D.C. Diplomatic relations were officially established in 2015 during the Obama presidency. In 2017, the U.S. expelled two Cuban diplomats, allegedly in retaliation for perceived Cuban responsibility for Havana Syndrome. The following month, the U.S. State Department stated it was removing non-essential staff from the U.S. Embassy and warned U.S. citizens not to travel to Cuba. In response to the incidents, the U.S. State Department announced in March of 2018 that it would continue to staff its embassy in Havana at the minimum level required to perform core diplomatic and consular functions, and that the embassy had been operating under ordered departure status since 2017. This announcement served to extend the staff reductions indefinitely. In early 2018, the Canadian government ended family postings to Cuba and withdrew all staff with families. Several of the Canadians who were affected in 2017 were reported to still be unable to resume their work due to the severity of their ailments. In 2019, the Canadian government announced that it was reducing its embassy staff in Havana after a 14th Canadian diplomat reported symptoms of Havana Syndrome in late December 2018. What does Cuba have to say about all this? Cuba's vice foreign minister said that the U.S. government leveraged the accusation of Havana Syndrome to derail bilateral relations and discredit Cuba and that the Havana Syndrome being an attack by a foreign agent was science fiction, as Cuba's top scientists in 2021 found no evidence to support the allegations. And what about the patients? For patients, a program of neurological exercises was developed and administered starting in 2017, using different types of sensory stimulation, cognitive exercises, neuromuscular exercises, and even what is known as off-vertical axis rotation utilizing a multi-axis rotational chair. These treatments have helped improve symptom severity, balance, and cognitive impairment, so there is hope for these victims. In response to Havana Syndrome, the U.S. Senate passed a bipartisan bill called the Helping American Victims Afflicted by Neurological Attacks, or Havana Act, that authorized the CIA and the Secretary of State 
to provide financial support for personnel with brain injuries, closing a loophole in the Federal Employees' Compensation Act that would normally not cover damage to organs such as the brain and the heart. The bill passed the House unanimously and also passed the Senate by unanimous consent and was signed into law in October of 2021. So where are we today? Seven U.S. intelligence agencies, headed by a senior CIA officer, spent years reviewing thousands of possible cases of Havana Syndrome. An unclassified version of their report was released by the House Intelligence Committee on March 1, 2023. Five of the seven agencies concluded that available intelligence consistently points against the involvement of U.S. adversaries in causing the reported incidents and that the involvement of a foreign adversary was very unlikely. So there we have it. We still don't know what causes Havana syndrome, at least officially, and we officially don't think it was something intentionally done to government employees of the US and Canada by either foreign or domestic adversaries. If there's any good news here, it seems that treatments are helping people affected by Havana syndrome and that their care will be ensured. If we find out any more about Havana syndrome, we'll come back in another episode with an update. I'm Andrew Colon. Adios. Thank you for listening to the myths and legends of Latin America. Subscribe and download now so you never miss an episode.